Standardized tests are a part of life for every American, and indeed for almost everyone in the developed world. But especially for America, there is one company that stands above all others, both due to its success and shady practices. That's why today we'll be looking at the world's largest standardized test provider, College Board. This video is brought to you by Skillshare. The first 500 people to sign up with the link below will get a two-month free trial. Now, standardized testing has been around in the US since roughly the 19th century, but back then it wasn't on a national scale. Universities were limited to choosing tests from local institutions, which rarely spanned more than a single state. At the turn of the 20th century, there were roughly 1300 academic tests on the market, so you most likely had to take a different one depending on which university you wanted to go to. Obviously, this system was rather wasteful, so in 1899, Columbia University partnered with 11 other universities to adopt a more universal standard for testing. What they created was the College Entrance Examination Board, better known today simply as College Board. As you may have noticed, four of its founding members would eventually be part of the Ivy League, so College Board was considered a very high-level institution right off the bat. Originally, it provided tests for nine different subjects, which allowed participating universities to streamline their curriculum. The advent of World War I, however, would be a game-changer for standardized testing. The US military developed the Army Alpha, a general test that could evaluate the intelligence and skills of new recruits. In an unprecedented effort, more than two million tests were administered during the war. Afterwards, College Board hired one of the leading figures in the Army Alpha program, who began working to adapt these tests for academia. Thus, in 1926, College Board began administering the Scholastic Aptitude Test, or SAT. At first, universities like Harvard used the SAT to determine who would receive scholarships, but pretty soon the test became adopted as a standard for admission. Technological advances were a big reason why the SAT became popular. IBM, for example, developed a machine that could grade tests 10 times faster than even the best teachers. Over the next decade, College Board's membership would swell to 52 institutions. When America joined the Allies in World War II, College Board was directly assigned to administer tests for the military. But despite being the largest testing organization in the US, in 1945 College Board found itself in a rather difficult position. Only 15% of universities were using the SAT, and there was still huge variance in tests across the country. But now that peace had been secured, American universities were faced with unprecedented demand for higher education. The man responsible for that was FDR, who in 1944 signed the GI Bill, which paid for the tuition of every American soldier that had served in the war. College Board realized that it wasn't in a position to capture all of this new demand, so instead of trying to compete, it secured an alliance with two other big testing institutions. The first one was the American Council on Education, which was created towards the end of the First World War to help the military in parallel with the Army Alpha. The second one was the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching, which was founded by Andrew Carnegie, the titan of the American steel industry. Together with College Board, the three organizations created the Educational Testing Service in 1947, delegating to it the job of developing and administering most of their tests. Now that the industry was much more consolidated, the SAT's adoption rate grew exponentially, reaching 25% less than 10 years later. In 1955, College Board felt confident enough to expand its individual subject tests into the Advanced Placement program. Unlike the subject tests which were used for admission, the AP program gave students the opportunity to essentially earn credits instead of having to take classes. 
During the 60s and 70s, College Board and the ETS grew to dominate the testing industry in America, administering 1.5 million SATs per year. Collectively, the two organizations were bringing in over $200 million of revenue, which they used to spread their influence across the world, first in Europe and then in Asia. But this aggressive expansion, coupled with their near-monopolistic power in the US, has attracted a fair bit of criticism. The most obvious one is the cost of their services, which can be very expensive for low-income families that don't qualify for the waivers, which, by the way, don't apply to international students. But the real problem with College Board is its complacency, which is a trap that's very easy to fall into if you're a big successful player in a mature market. Despite the immense revenues and resources this non-profit organization has, it is full of cases of downright incompetence. In late 2005, for example, College Board found out it had given wrong reports to several thousand students, artificially lowering the grade of 4,000 of them. That might seem like an honest mistake until you realize that College Board found out about it in December and didn't issue corrections until March of next year, long after the admission period. Even the grading procedures themselves are notoriously suspicious. A study done by MIT showed that there was a significant correlation between the length of an essay and its score. In fact, just assigning grades based on length would match the score given by College Board 90% of the time. Ongoing leaks of test questions have become commonplace in South Korea and China, where there were major scandals over cheating two years in a row. Then you also have the questionable practice of selling student information for under 50 cents per person, which got College Board entangled in a class action lawsuit that didn't really change anything. All of this has put College Board and ETS in the weird position where people are challenging their status as nonprofits. Today, the two organizations collectively bring in over $2 billion of revenue, which in and of itself is perfectly fine until you combine it with their monopolistic practices and excessive executive compensation. In 2013, the president of ETS earned almost $1.5 million, while the CEO of College Board brought in just over half of that. Which again, nothing wrong with paying your executives competitive salaries, but under these specific circumstances it does look a bit suspicious. And while College Board and ETS have never been more profitable, their future is far from certain. With the rate of university enrollments trending downwards and the ever-increasing popularity of trading schools and online courses, the long reign of College Board may eventually come to an end. Speaking of online courses, if you've thought about learning a new skill recently, I can highly recommend Skillshare. They offer thousands of easily understandable courses for as little as $10 a month. With Skillshare, you can learn anything, from graphics design and animation to marketing and web development. Their professional classes are easy to follow even if you're a complete beginner, so if you feel like picking up a new skill, Skillshare is the best platform to do that. In fact, the first 500 of you to use the link below will get a two-month free trial, courtesy of Business Casual. By the way, the YouTube channel Polymatter did a great video on the SAT and the current state of College Board's monopoly. The channel makes very thought-provoking animated videos, which you're gonna love if you're a fan of Business Casual. So go over there, watch the video and consider subscribing if you like what you see. Lastly, I'd like to say thank you to my patrons for supporting me and to you for watching. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter and Reddit. And as always, stay smart.